0: While you are there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message.
1: So today I want to talk to you just a little bit about expectation. But let's read what the word of God says. I'm going to be coming from 2 Kings. And we're going to read a little bit and then then I'm just going to talk for a few minutes. If we can stand to honor the Lord as we read his word. Second Kings, starting at the first chapter. And it says, this is about when Elijah's about to ascend to heaven, it says it, It came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophet who were at Bethel, came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take your master from you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho, came and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? So he answered, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. About 50 men of the sons of the prophet went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, and it was divided this way and that. So they, the two men, crossed on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elijah said, please let me have a double portion of your spirit upon me. A double portion of your spirit upon me. So when he said, so he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened, as they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire, paired with horses and fire, a fire, and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water. Where is the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Blessings be on the word of the Lord. You may have your seats. I know there was a bit of reading, but I wanted to get it all in as we try to as I talk to you a little bit about expectation. We know, like I said, the the mind is the battleground and the enemy is trying to get you to stay focused on this carnal stuff and the things that that, that he wants you to do. But once you change your mind in order to activate the blessings and start down that path of destiny that God has for you, you must change your mind. But you also got to be in a constant state of expectation. And you say, what is expectation? Well, I'm glad you asked. One definition is looking to the future with high hopes. One might say it's high anticipation about what is to come. And anticipation, I think about the birth of a child. I can only imagine the mother and father going through all these ups and downs, the morning sickness, the back pain, uh, the mood swings, yet in spite of constant pain, discomfort in the mother's back and her entire body, and despite the most agonizing pain, I'm told, at childbirth, The mother never loses that sense of expectation. With high expectation, she's looking forward to what's to come. Because she has understood that the inconvenience, the discomfort, the agonizing pain was all working together to position her to give birth to something new. It was painful, but something new is coming, a new life, a new joy, a new responsibility that would change her forever. And she has a sense of expectation through it all. And that's the way it should be with the people of God. We should be expecting something. Some time ago, I preached a sermon that said that, uh, If we want a closer walk with God, you have to have unconditional obedience. But one of the byproducts of that unconditional obedience was living a life in a sense of expectation. So you need to develop a sense of expectation. Even if the world is crashing around you and your life is is not good and you have So much pain, that's when your expectations should rise to the top and you say, what is God going to do in my life? How he's going to show himself strong, how he's going to use this pain that I'm in. I can't hardly stand it, God. How are you going to use this to burst something new in me? You should always be in a sense of expectation. It's hurting, but God, why is it hurting? There's something coming. And after all, I've changed my mind from the world to the spiritual God. I'm walking closer with you, God. Something's coming. Expectation. Remember over the last few months... You've got the keys and and you've detoxed your soul and your spirit and and now you're going to open that door and you're walking with the one who is the creator of all things, the great I am, the alpha and omega. And we know that, that that means that everything that happens, that's going to be, that is, is under his direction of permission. That pain you're going through is under his direction of permission. But the joy should be Romans 8:28, and everybody says with me and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and who's called to his purpose. Even in the midst of trials, not that he sends trials, but it happens because it's in his purpose. And this is the purpose of the lesson in the scripture today. 2 Kings. 2 Kings 2, 1 through 14. And it begins by focusing on characters. I remember when I was in, um, in, in Bible college, they said always identify the characters, the main character. So it starts identifying the characters in the first character, Elijah. Now I'll give you a little background, some context to it, and, and then we're going to move on. Elijah the Tishbite, he was in chapter 17, and, he had came and told Ahab and Jezebel that there was gonna be a drought. And uh, then in 18, which is my favorite chapter, he he was there with the 450 prophets of Baal and and and, and he told told them, he said, Okay, you you say you serve the, the living God. He said, Okay, let's build an altar and 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 you you call on your God and and they built the altar and they they did everything and then they start calling on their God and hollering and calling on their God, making all noise. And Elijah said, "Maybe he's sleep. Maybe I need to talk on louder. Maybe he's on vacation." They did all that. So <laughs> Elijah said, "Move that stuff out the way." He built the altar. He had to pour, I think it was three pots of water four times on 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 the uh, on the sacrifice on the altar, uh, and because they hadn't done anything. And once he did that. I don't know if the Baal prophets did it, but Elijah prayed. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and their hearts will turn back to you. If all this stuff, they're against him, and Elijah's praying for them, for these people. So once he prayed, fire fell from the sky and Burn up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and he lapped up the water. This Elijah serves the same true and living God we serve. Then there's Elisha, his, 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 uh, his mentee. Then there's the company of prophets. I'm just giving you some of the people that, that are in there. The company of prophets, they say maybe uh, people, um, young men that he, uh, that he mentored, uh, the, uh, disciple. But what's interesting, and we're just talking as we open, Elijah has an expectation that he's going to be with the Lord. He's expecting to go to heaven. The school of prophets has, they're expecting something too. They're expecting Elijah to be taken away. But they don't have any expectation of God doing anything from them. But that was the difference between Elisha. Because there is a movement. If you remember the scriptures from from uh, verse 1 to verse 10, there's a movement. Elisha started off with grief, with sadness, with fear. And if you notice in verses 3 and 5, it's whenever the company of prophets would say, Elijah, don't you know your master's being taken away? He said, I don't, I know, I know. I don't want to hear it. Don't, don't mention it to him. He was, he was grieved. He, he thought that maybe uh, uh, he, he, something happened that, that while he was going through this, that the Lord didn't hear his prayer, and he, he, he started to out with grief and, and dread and, and anxiety and, and not seeing what was going to happen. And, but by the time he got to verse 10, Something changed about him, and if we look at the relationship between Elijah and Elisha, it should remind us of Christ and the disciples. And if we look deeper at the story; it should remind us that we've changed our mind. And Pastor has had us going through this detox, and he's given us to the keys. So she would now always have a state of expectation that God is doing something. Even though your life is crumbling around you, be in a state of expectation. How do we do that? The text gives me three points and I will sit down. One, periodically we need to reconnect to God's landmark of grace in our lives. Reconnect to God's grace in our lives. That's what's going on in text. Look at it. When they go from Gilgad to Bethel to Jericho to Jordan, on one level it seems that Elijah is testing him. Can you stay here? Three times he said no. On the second level, Every time he goes, the company of prophet comes out, so it's kind of like a farewell tour. He knows he's going. The, the, the company of prophet knows he's going, so it's kind of like oh, it's a farewell t- tour. He's, he's giving them time to say goodbye and, and talk to him. But the third thing is the one that's most important, and that's what's going on with Elisha. As he's walking with his master, at first he's full of grief. God, you didn't answer my prayer. I wanted him to stay with me a little while longer. So as he walked to Gilgal, he remember talking about landmarks. It's the place just beyond the Jordan River when God told Joshua to get 12 stones. And when future generations ask you what this is all about, Tell them this is to remind us that God brought the children of Israel through the Jordan River. That's a landmark of God's grace revealing his power and mercy. And when he crossed to the Bethel, these things are coming to him. He remembered Jacob was spoken to by God. And God told him, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. Another landmark. When they went to Jericho, Elisha remembered that Jericho was the first major city under Joshua's leadership that the children of Israel had to confront and God delivered it to them. And how they crossed over on dry land. Let me ask you a question. What is your landmark? is your landmark? I don't have one. God done nothing for me. I had all this problem. People of God, God was working in your life when you were even coming to church, when you didn't have him on the radar. That bullet that your head, that car that came that close to hitting you. That child that's out there in the world and God didn't let them get destroyed. He touched them and brought them back home. He was working in your life then. That spouse that said, I'm getting ready to leave you now. I got to go, but for some reason he couldn't go or she couldn't go because God was working on him. He is a God of grace and mercy. What is your grace landmark? I suspect somebody in here 10 or 20 years ago were going down uh, I-40 and you had an accident and, and they gave you up for dead. You was almost dead. I said 10 or 20 years ago and you're here now. You're here now. You may not have known God, but he's working in your life even then. You didn't recognize him, but he recognized you. Somebody may have been five years ago in the hospital at Forsyth or Baptist and they said you had cancer or you you had a major heart attack attack. and the doctor said, I don't know if you're going to make it, but you're here today. You're under the sound of my voice. You need to go by that hospital and look at that landmark in your life of God's grace. You need to remind yourself that that same God That walked with you then when you didn't even care about him. That you had your back turned on him. That same God that was walking with you when you didn't know him. What's your expectation? God did it all for me. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're going to do, God. I don't know how you're going to work it. But God, fix it. Even though life is crumbling and everything is getting dark, I'm in so much pain. Uh, Paul says we know God is working. You need to reconnect to that landmark because even if that life is getting dark, if you go back to that landmark, it's going to stir something in you and you gonna remember the goodness and the grace of God because you should have been dead. Your heart has stopped, but God said, I'm going to bring them back because I got a purpose. Somebody on the sign of my voice been in that position and God has you here and now revisit that landmark reconnect to the place where God delivered some power in your life we can't forget our past and the thing about it is like I said you weren't even walking with God some of them didn't even know God but out of his grace and out of his mercy he took care of He pushed that bullet over two inches. He raised his hand up and that car stopped. He tugged on that spouse. And you were raising hell in a handbasket, but God was working on your behalf. Now you're saved. You've come to the realization of Jesus Christ. How much more will he do for you? What's your expectation? How do you live a life of expectation? Number two, we need to regularly reaffirm your tenacious, and I said that on purpose, your tenacious will to cleave and hold on and never leave God. The scriptures tells us that God says he's never leave us or forsake us. God said he will never leave us or forsake us. And sometimes, as soon as we get ourselves in a difficult situation and the pain lasts for a while, and it don't seem no way out, and all you've done hadn't worked, you find yourself willing to leave God and say that it ain't worth it. You need to reaffirm your willingness to stay with Him. That's what happened in two, four, and six. Each time Elijah said, wait here. Elijah said, no, as long as you live, I won't leave you. Commitment. You say that marriage is falling apart. I've lost my job. They foreclosed on my house. You filed bankruptcy. And, and, and it's, it's all coming in. I, I know what the world is saying to me. I, I know what Satan is whispering in my ear. I, I know what my doubts are suggesting to me. God is hard I'm being attacked on on every side I turn this side and and Satan's coming at me and, and I turn this side and, and and his imps are coming and I, I try to go this way, God, but I don't know God, but God I declare as long as you are God, as long as you are king of kings, I will never leave you because why? Paul is whispering in my ear that all things works to the good for those who love God. In spite of all, I'm listening to Paul. All things work to the good of those who love God and called to His purpose. But I mind you, sometimes God will say no, but he's still working. God would say no. He's still working. Let me give you some of my blessings from God. I was city county utilities director. And they started wanting to mess with me and have me go from responsibility for 350 employees to all the city employees, 2,400. You said, well, that's great. So when I said, well, what's the compensation? (laughs) They said, there is none. I said, okay. So I went to my spouse. I went to my wife. I went to my confidant, and I said, Sharon, I, I think I'm going to go. And that wife, that woman, so wise, she said, that's up to you and God. <laughs> so I got my paper. I, I applied for a couple of jobs, just applied for some jobs. And then I went, I hadn't heard anything, so I went to HR, and I said, uh, I want to talk to you about my benefits. I'm going to go here retire a year and a half early. And they told me, and I was getting ready to do it. So my boss says, we need your answer. Uh, this was, um, I think it was uh, January. I said, the first of March, I'm retiring. He said, wait, 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 wait a minute. So he got a position for me in there so I didn't have to go down there. But this is what I'm saying. God told me, no, not to retire. I was at home sick. He had told me, no, I got to stay there. I got a call from HR. Said, Malcolm, I want to talk to you about the assistant street director's job with the city of Winston-Salem. He took that stress that I thought I was going to be in, he told me no. And when he moved me, he moved me under a God-fearing, God-loving boss that every time there was an issue, there was prayer and he was one of the best supervisors I had but it wasn't nothing that I wanted because I was going to leave but God said no I got something else for you and the things and the blessings that came about because God said no so what you need to know about that sometimes when God say no you start shouting because he's up to something they meant it for your harm But God said, "I got you." That thing that you're going through now, you need to say, "I I don't know what you're going to do, God." But nevertheless, God, nevertheless, God, the problems are mounting and they're getting bigger and bigger, and it's about to weigh me down, God. I'm about to break down. But God, nevertheless, will I leave you, God? The doctor said I'm dying. I had a stroke. I can't talk. Cancer is eating me up. I'm going blind. I can't see, God. What use is it? But nevertheless, God, I will not leave you. Everyone had turned that back on me. God, I ain't got nobody else. Nevertheless, I will not leave you. Come hell or high water, I will not leave you. It may not be what I want. The answer may not be like I want it, but I will not leave you. That's how you live in a state of expectancy. Revisit those landmarks. Reaffirm your commitment not to leave God. When we're not even thinking about him, he's always thinking about us. Don't do it. That's a mistake. Don't leave God. And finally, and this is a big one, we make our mistake here. We have to Request more from God a whole lot more from God the scriptures tells us that he said when he got on the other side the 50 prophets and that's the thing about it the 50 prophets God worked it out was on the other side so he was there separate with Elijah by himself and now he's in this strategic position and Elijah turned to him and asked, "Do you have a last request?" And Elijah, with the help of the Holy Spirit, begins to put this thing together. He said, "We were in Gilgal. and I remember how the power of God was revealed. I was in Bethel, and I remember how the power of God was revealed there. Then suddenly, I'm here by myself with Elijah. Yes. I have a request. I want a double portion of your spirit, which is upon you. Now, now, if you read in Deuteronomy, the, the, the eldest son replaces the father. So, Elisha was going to replace Elijah. A double portion of your spirit. No, 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 no. Not a double portion of his goods, but his spirits. In other words, he's saying, the spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. And he's saying, fall fresh on me twice. He's saying, "I want not to be a run-of-the-mill prophet. I don't want no business as usual. I don't. I want to do the things that I've seen God do through you. I want that level of anointing in my life. I want to be a leader of prophets. I want a whole lot more of God." I'm tired of just coming to church and get a sermon. I want a word that's gonna come alive in me. I, I want, I hear the praise team and I love to hear the praise team, but I want more for the praise team. I want experience on Sunday when I come here that's gonna walk with me from Sunday to Sunday. It's never leave me. I wanna be able to lay hands on my girls and say, saith the Lord. I want to lay hands on the sick and and sickness runs out of them. I want more of God. 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 We've got to ask for more. We serve a big God. We serve a big God. One sermon I talked about the drop. The drop your whole life is in the drop. And I thought, well, what if I take my drop and I keep it and go back to the car? Then it came to me, one of two things are going to happen. It's going to fall through my hands. It's going to evaporate. And then I thought about the ocean. God is the ocean. What happens if I took my drop, my drop, my drop, And put it back in the ocean. Now it becomes part of a bigger thing. We serve a big God. We don't need to be doing these little prayers. We don't need to be looking for the drop. We need to be looking for the ocean. Because the ocean pays off in terms of the ocean. And not for the drop. So we need to ask more of God. Lord grant me this request. We we, we think we're going to come and uh this is this is what we're gonna get and that's all well okay I'm satisfied no God said ask more of me I'm here I'm willing I'm waiting so Elijah said I want more but listen to what Elijah said he said you asked a hard thing and this is the part get this he said but if you see me when I go If you see me when I go, your request will be granted. Stay with me a minute here. If you don't see me when I'm taken, your request will be denied. Now, Elijah has known all along that he was going to be his successor, but he's letting him work it out. And at this point, he's saying, now get this, he's saying you, you've asked for it. Now, if you see it, which means you have to look for it. You ask for it, you've got to look for it. If you look for it, you change your mind. You're not out there in the carnal world. You're looking for more spiritual things. You detox your mind, your soul, and your spirit. You're looking for things. And and you've been equipped with the keys to open that door and you're gonna look for something behind that door. If you look for it, then you will get it. We gotta stop coming to church and say we're gonna have praise and worship, we're gonna have the announcements, we're gonna have another song, we're gonna have the sermon, we're gonna do offering, we're gonna go home. Or did you come here expecting God to do something? God, how are you going to show yourself mighty, God? Who's being delivered, God? Who's being healed, God? Are you going to heal me, God? I'm expecting a move in my life. God, how are you going to manifest yourself in me? God, I need you, God. I need this fixed, God. I need that fixed, God. But God, I'm going to praise with that sister if I don't get it today. But God, I'm coming expecting something, God. I may not get it today, God, but I trust you and have faith enough in Doty, God. If you heal sister so-and-so, God, my healer's around the corner, God. If you bring her husband back, God, mine is on the way, God. He's coming down the street now, God. God, if you deliver this person from crack cocaine, God, my son is all the way giving this world to life, God, because I'm expecting something from you, God. I know you are big, God. I know everything is under your purview, God. Everything that happens is under you, God. And all I have to do is ask. All I have to do is ask. But before I ask, before Elijah asked, he had to be expecting something from God. He wasn't expecting nothing at first. The 50 prophets was not expecting nothing, but he was expecting something. So if you're expecting something from God, you got to ask. It's time out for us to sit on our totems, too, thinking God is going to do this and do that. He's done what he's got to do. Now it's time for us to do things. But first, got to expect it. And once we expect it and he puts it in our mind, we've got to ask God, is my healing coming, God? And if he says no, be ready because he's up to something good. God, am I going to get that house? No, that's okay, God. I'm not getting that house. There's a mansion over here you got for me, God. I ain't worried about it, God. I'm working my bones, my hands to the bone, God. And I still ain't got that car. God said, no, don't get that Cadillac. And you say, God, well, that's a good deal. And God's going to come up and give you a Mercedes. He's going to give you what you want because what you want should be what you got from God. What he's putting in your heart. But you got to expect God. He's here already. He's here already. He's always here. Are you looking for it? Are you looking for it? One last quick story. About 38 years ago, when I was uh, assistant director of facilities, we put up a basketball goal in the shop. I told this story before. And uh, I used to be fairly decent. Uh, I wasn't a Michael Jordan, but I could hit a shot every once in a while, Brother Lord, In that game, I could hit nothing. So I just stopped shooting. So last minute of the game, the best shoot on my team comes down the floor, and I'm looking at the goal, and he passes me the ball. I caught the ball, but I missed it. I wasn't expecting it. He got the rebound, came back down the floor. I was expecting it. He gave me the ball. I made it. Are you expecting God to do anything in your life? Are you looking for God to do something in your life? Stop having that microwave mentality. God, I'm expecting you to do something. Boom, there it is. No, 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 no. There's a process. It's coming. But you got to be patient. You got to look for it. Because if you're not looking for it, it's going to come. It's going to come. That blessing, that joy, that peace That salvation, that deliverance, it's it's there, it's coming, it's got your name on it, but if you're not looking for it, you're going to miss it. you got to expect. And that's what we have to go in a mode of expectation. We have to go in that mode of expectation right now for Pastor Tony. I don't know what... What's going on? I don't, I'm no doctor. You ask me to design your building, I can. But you ask me to diagnose your illness, I can't. I don't know what it is, but I know the great physician who does. And our expectations should be: our pastor is healed, and we're waiting on the manifestation of it. Our expectation is to see the manifestation of it as he's healed, and when he comes back, our expectation should be that we are going to be so much further along because God has heard our request. We have asked big things of him. We are not going to shrink back because Pastor and Lady Tiff's not here. We're going to go forward because we're expecting God to meet us out here every Sunday, every time we come out here. We're expecting God to come here and give us our marching orders. and We're expecting God to equip us to go march and do the things that we're supposed to do. We're expecting big things of God because we serve a big God. We serve a big God. There is nothing that my God can't do. There is no one, no enemy big enough to stop my God and the expectation that he's given me. There is no enemy big enough and arms, big enough to box with my God. None. None. So I say reconnect, reaffirm, and ask God for more. Don't come to church expecting a mundane. You want something that's going to fill you this Sunday and carry you to next Sunday because you're out there with the world. Something that's going to stay with you from Sunday to Sunday and give you strength and energy Expect that type of relationship expect that type of experience every time you come into the house of God live in a state of expectancy and God is going to do just what he said he was going to do he's going to give you joy he's going to give you peace and all the things on your heart Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This this, this, this was not for a shouting message, but I, I want us to start living in a state of expectation. And I guarantee you, if you come in here every Sunday... With a sense of expectation on your heart, in your mind, in your soul. God is going to do something mighty in your life. Or that person that you're expecting for. I guarantee you God is going to do something. But saints, we got to live in a sense of expectation. A sense of expectation. And like I said the last time. You've got the key to the door. Open the door to the rest of your life. Turn that key and open that door for the rest of your life. But before you push that door open, have your mind full of expectations of what the master has over there for you for the rest of your life. Expectations. Expectation. Everybody standing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I thank you. I thank you, God. God, I did exactly what you told me to do. I didn't add, I didn't take away anything, God. So, God, I thank you for showing up, God. I thank you, God, for speaking to your people, Lord God. And I pray, God, now they have a sense of expectation. When they leave out of this place, they have a sense of expectation. When they go to their jobs, they have a sense of expectation, God. When they go home, they have a sense of expectation, God. And God, I'm not talking about expectation at the that that the lights just gonna be on, God. Not not that just they got a desk to sit at, God, but that you're gonna move yourself mightily. They're gonna say, Well, how did that happen to them? How did they get that promotion because they went there expecting God and you stepped in, God? How did their their house get 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 renovated for for no cost because you stepped in, God? All the things, God, that you know we need, God. Our Father in heaven, you know what we need, God. So, God, we're going to meet you with our expectations, God, and we're going to watch you do what you do best, God. God, we thank you. God, we praise you. God, we bless you. And, God, right now, we stand and we believe with Pastor Tony, God. The enemy just got upset, God. That, that's all it is. We know what it is. The enemy just got upset. But God, he still has no victory, God. Pastor Tony still has the victory, has the victory God. God, you get the honor. You get the glory. Because just like 2,000 years ago, Satan, you're defeated. You're defeated. You're defeated, and the victory is ours in the name of Jesus. Now, God, we're going to be more unified, God, because we're expecting it, God. We're going to come together and worship together and work together and serve you together, God, because it's one unity. There's strength in unity, God. So we're expecting nothing but great things, God. We may not see it. You may tell us no every once in a while, God, but we still believe the report of the Lord. God, we believe it. We believe it. We believe it. And God, we give you honor. We give you glory. It's in the matchless name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. 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 Somebody give God a praise.